Welcome to the favorites. We're back. I'm so excited. Ah, it is the middle of the week. I don't even know what day it is. I am Chad Millman of the Action Network. This is the favorites. I'm looking out my window in the wilds of Connecticut, and it just started snowing. The latest snowstorm that has shut down the schools sent my kids into a tizzy. Uh, canceled all the plans, um, is finally arriving. And on the phone, trooper and through, bookmaker to the world from New Orleans and Boyd Gaming, Mr. Bob Scucci. My man. Chad, what's going on? Listen, I know you're soldiering through this because you've got a toothache and you're going to the dentist, and so I appreciate it. <laughs> no problem. You know what you're going to miss, though? Later on in the show, Chris Raybon, who was one of our genius Action Network writers, regularly appears on the Action Network's NFL podcast, um, one of the best DFS fantasy prognosticators, modelers, and rankers in the world. Uh, he wrote an amazing story about um, using very specific and sort of sophisticated metrics to determine which are the 11 NFL teams you should bet on to win the Super Bowl next year. And he sort of broke it down and figured out, like, the teams that have won the Super Bowl every year have uh, come from this pool that have sort of um, been able to match the metrics that he figured out. And so we're going to talk about which 11 teams are the best value. And so you're going to miss that. And I'm sorry for you. Fascinating. No, that sounds bad. How long has he been doing that? How many years has he uh, have First been one. Doing that? First one. You know how First it came one. about? Okay. We, we sat with Chris Raybon uh, at the end of the year, me and Scott Miller, uh, who really does all the work at Action Network. And uh, we're like, listen, let's think about some fun ideas. We want you to have something you can do every week uh, now that we're out of fantasy season. And we sort of modeled and brainstormed, and uh, this was not any of the ideas that we came up with. He came up with this all on his own. Nice. I like it. But I like to think that sort of just the meeting inspired him to think differently. So sometimes it's not about what you come out with in that actual meeting. It's about reframing how you think about what you're doing. Sure. Sure. That's how I lead. I buy it. Totally. <laughs> Uh, listen, just one quick update on the Year of Kindness, and we've got a very special ad that I think uh, is keeping with the Year of Kindness later in the show. Going to spring that on the listeners, and I think they're going to be excited to hear it. Um, uh, I continue to not be able to get anybody in my house to contribute to the Year of Kindness. Oh, come on. Really? I know. So I am going to relay it to you, Scooch. I want you to feel better. That's very kind of you. Thank you. Hey, there's a lot to talk about. Uh, do you have anything on your mind specifically? Because I have a lot on my mind. No. Yeah, what, what, what's on your mind? Uh, first of all, we took a week off after the Super Bowl um, just because it was crazy and busy and all that kind of stuff. But um, how did the Get Your Prop Up in Vegas contest winner do? The prop was referees uh, penalty, accepted penalty yards, for both teams versus the field goal. 
it was a wacky game. Total field yo- field goal yards kicked. So what yeah. won? So the, the field goal yardage, there were three field goals. Uh, there was a 53-yarder and a couple of uh, 40, 40-something yarders. So, so the field goal won. And, and we talked about how we thought that that would be the favorite. They did bet it. You know, we initially hung it uh, a pick 'em, and the first couple of bets r- right out of the gate were on the field goal yardage. So we ended up closing it the field goal yardage minus four and a half yards and minus a dollar forty, uh, and they were still laying it a little bit. So we didn't win on that prop. There were very few uh, uh, penalties called in that game. I don't even remember a pass interference call. I mean, I'm sure there was one or two, but uh, very few flags thrown in that game. Well, there was really only one penalty that mattered. It was a holding call on a big Todd Gurley run that I really think changed the game. And we're not going to spend too much time talking about the game just because it's now two weeks old. But um, how much money was bet on the Get Your Prop Up in Vegas contest prop? Uh, there was probably between, I want to say a little more than 6000 It's pretty good. Which is, which is pretty good. Which is pretty good. Yeah, that's, that's real good. I mean, this guy, and- out of nowhere, created a prop. And like, it it brought in six grand in handle at the Orleans. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's fantastic. That's actually uh, that's pretty good. I mean, we didn't win on it, which is bad. But you know, <laughs> maybe he was it? able to place a, place a few dollars on it. I don't know. We'll have to we'll have to find out someday. Feels more like a your problem than a my problem. <laughs> definitely is. Maybe if you had made a better line, you know, you should have known what you're getting into. You're that, the bookmaker. Totally true. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw that back on Jake. You know, I, I, I yelled at him a little bit. Wow. <laughs> was there a prop that – what, what was the lowest handle for any prop? Oh, the lowest handle for any prop. Oh, God, you know, there were so many of them up there. There was, there was a couple of them where we wrote probably less than, less than $500. Oh, wow. There was, yeah, there was a couple of them. But you can't remember um, them. I, I I can't remember which one was there. There we were going through so many of those. I mean, uh, it, it was probably you know we we had a couple of um, I want to say the the number of the number of saves by Flurry for the Vegas Golden Knights uh, versus the num versus the total Rams points scored. Uh, and and it was more for uh, kind of conversation to have the, the kind of cross prop up there and, and just to have the kind of a local flavor with the Vegas Golden Knights, but that really didn't that really didn't draw a whole lot of action. Uh, well, and thank God it didn't because people probably would have bet on Flurry and like he definitely probably had more saves that night than the Rams yeah. had points. Yeah, there was a couple of them that kind of surprised us. We put up one with uh, Steph Curry's total number of points scored uh, that 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 morning versus the uh, total number of points scored by the Patriots, and the final tally was like fourteen to thirteen. <laughs> Curry only scored fourteen points, and we're like, well, this one seems like an automatic winner. And then the Patriots only put up thirteen. Yeah, that was insane. <laughs> Everything went out the window with that game. What? Um... What was amazing to me about that week and what has continued is that the NBA just dominates the conversation. But yeah, yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead. You're going to say something. 
No, well, especially with all the you know the, the trade rumors and that 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 was really kind of the conversation. So, how do you manage that as a bookmaker? Like, it's nothing that you're seeing directly on the floor, but Anthony Davis to the Lakers starts to potentially change what the odds might be for the Lakers, or you know any other sort of trade rumors that could be happening. Um, are you adjusting on the fly? Are you making a, are you making adjustments based on based on rumors, you know, that kind of thing, what happens? Yeah, uh, we, we try to adjust them down. Fortunately, a lot of the um, the favorites to win the, the NBA championship are pretty kind of solid. We talked about this before. You, you've got a handful of teams that are really contenders, and then it, there's a big disparity between the, the rest of the teams, and there's really no team that's in that, like, 30-to-1, 40-to-1 category that's suddenly going to catapult them up into – uh, one of the top two or three favorites just by by one player, uh, you know, not even not even the Lakers. So um, there's not too much, but we do but we do adjust. I mean, when, when you have a player like Anthony Davis, and uh, you have to you have to make some adjustments. Uh, you know, we've gotten burned a lot of times in the past by just missing out on the rumor, and then you know we 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 have to find out after we start getting these you know these big bets coming in. On a fairly long shot, and and then we find out the the rumor that a, that a player's going to a specific team. So we just have to monitor it every day and just kind of keep up on all the uh, the news wires and just uh, like you said, adjust on the fly. Aren't you tapped in? I mean, remember when you knew about the Eli <laughs> Apple trade before anybody else? Yeah, most of the time. I mean, we most of the time we're pretty we get the information. Uh, before anybody else, but uh, there was a, there was a few times. I mean, going back, uh, God, I, I remember like we really got burned about what ten years ago, twelve years ago, when uh, 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 Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce and everyone what the, the big trades that uh, the Celtics got all these big players and they they started out the year I wanted to say a uh, hundred to one, hundred and fifty to one, and then they ended up being the favorites within a matter of a you know a month or two and. And they won the championship. That that was a bad year for us. But seriously, how often do you know before anybody else knows? You know, we rely on a lot of the betters, and it seems like the betters, some of the betters that are dialed in, sometimes get information before any, uh, even the news outlets. Uh, so I wouldn't say it's often, but between. Between the betters that are dialed in and and then the news outlets themselves, I mean, we do get it before 95% of the, the, the rest of the public. Uh, I'm not going to say we get it before before a lot of the uh, reporters get it, uh, but there are some times that we do. And it's mainly because of this large network of kind of professional betters that are out there that have some kind of contacts that maybe they do know something, uh, uh, a rumor, before before it's even released. So how does it work? Give me a breakdown. Like, what exactly happens? And tell me well, how. Get, yeah, tell me what happens. Well, I mean, in cases where we know who the better is, let's say we we get a better that comes in and wants to bet uh, five hundred dollars on this particular team at uh, you know seventy five to one. It's not usually the type of wager that a professional better will make. So in the cases where we know the professional better. It's kind of a gentleman's uh, agreement a lot of times where, uh, you know, we give them the bed and then it's like, you know, hey, what's going on? And sometimes they know somebody who knows somebody that that's what the rumor was. And then 
sometimes it pans out where you know you find out a couple days later somebody will break the story that someone's going to be traded and sometimes it turns out to be nothing but uh that's generally how how it happens with with the betters that we know with the betters that we don't know it's still an, an you know uh, kind of an odd wager that uh they, they don't generally make so we'll try to do some research on our own we'll try to find out what's going on and uh, like I said, sometimes we find out before it breaks, but uh, and, and sometimes we don't. That is so interesting. I don't think we've ever discussed that. So you will have a guy come up to you, and this is where like betters are so plugged in. They get information. They come to make the bet. Yep. They will make a bet that seems odd to you. You will allow them to make the bet. And then you will say, "All right, we're letting you make the bet. Give us the scoop." Pretty, pretty much, yeah. I mean, it happens sometimes with injuries on a on a game, um, not not just trade rumors or or you know personnel moves, but it, it'll also be uh, you know on injuries. Um, sometimes somebody gets a wind of a possible injury before it's before it's kind of released, and or or they they find out that. Uh, you know, a player's got the flu before it's released. It's something, something like that. Uh, and then when they make the wager, it's like, okay, what's going on here? And again, these are with kind of the professional betters that that we've come to know over the years. It's it's a different story with somebody that you don't know, but um, you know, we've kind of grown to to know most of them over the last twenty years. All right, this this is this is interesting. This conversation's taking a different turn than I expected. Um, <laughs> We don't know where we're going to go, right? We just kind of do it. Yeah. (laughs) But here's the thing: this is like this is what I think a lot of the leagues and the players worry about the most. It isn't it isn't games being fixed. It is injury information or players being players at a lower level being compromised to get inside information for betters. Right. And I, and I had this conversation with some people at the NCAA because they're in a whole different ball game where they don't need to officially release player uh, injury information the way, you know, the, the NFL is very structured with it, the NBA, and they have to, uh, you know, they have some protocols where as the NCAA kind of struggles with the HIPAA laws that protects the, the, the player's privacy versus do should we get this information out there at all or should we let it kind of be like black market information? It's kind of which one which one's worse? Which one you know, having having the NCAA actually release some information or on, on key personnel or just have it be a rumor out there. Uh, you know, there's been in cases in the past with, with big name players in championship games where it's kind of a well-known rumor, but it's still unofficial because there are no official means of getting that information out there. So it's something that's really going to have to be brought to the forefront as you know, uh, sports betting gets pushed in a lot of these new new jurisdictions. But at the professional level, players I know have told me that they worry most about their third-string cornerback taking, you know an extra $100,000 over the course of a season to give legit injury information about the first string middle linebacker um, to gamblers. 
I mean, it's a big risk, um, but I, you know, I, I think that kind of thing existed, you know, b- before uh, the proliferation of sports betting. I mean, that that kind of information was that, that was kind of a problem all the way back many years. So, uh, and I wouldn't say it's a it's a problem. I want to retract that. It's it's just a concern. Well, I was going to say, like, you don't need professional betting for someone to want to build a relationship with a player and pay them to get inside information. But absolutely, how much how much of that do you think goes on right now? Like, how much do you think professional betters are tapped into teams to get this information, or where do you think that information comes from? I think the information comes from people that are uh, surrounded surrounding the team, like uh, at a distance. They're not directly respond. They're not directly involved with the team, but it's somebody kind of on the outskirts that they have access to some of the team members, uh, you, you know, or uh, or at the college level, they're you know friends with friends. Uh, but, but I don't know that it goes on as much as. You know, I I know where the conversation kind of turned here, but I I, I don't want to imply that this kind of thing actually goes on at a at a uh, you know a big level. Oh, I don't think it goes on at a big level. I'm always curious, like where these betters, how these betters get this information. Like, yeah. why are they so tapped in? What do they know? Sure. Who do they know? Sure, sure. I mean, I, I mean, it's I mean, picture. Let's say you're 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 in college and and you're in classes with uh, the starting quarterback and three or four of the key guys on a team and you you have access to the weight room and so you're there you're lifting weights with the guys you're about 10 20 feet away and and you hear you know the the quarterback who's lifting weights or something complain about you know these pains in his right shoulder or something I mean it, it could be so innocuous but it may have you know this guy comes away thinking he's got insider information uh, and, and like I said, it's sometimes, most of the time, it just turns out to be a rumor. But um, it's kind of the same thing with like a stock market. You overhear a couple of, uh, of people that are on the on the board of some company, and they you overhear them talking about something that you think is inside information, and then you know you may or may not think uh, it's worth buying a stock. Wow, that's fascinating. How much do you think that changes with? professional with legalization happening in more states do more people jump into the pool does it be become harder to get information like is it harder for the guys in vegas to get information what do you think happens i i think it's i think it's brought to the forefront and i think it's more out in the open so it's probably much harder you talk to a lot of the gamblers from like 20 years ago that used to get inside information from like newspapers around the world and, and just different means of I think it's harder for those guys to have an edge over the bookmakers because now that information is transmitted to the bookmakers much more easily so I I think it's much more difficult for the professional bettors now Um, I don't think I don't think the I I think it's probably going to be less and less of a concern as it's kind of addressed and and I think education is a big part of it when I talk to kind of league officials and I and uh like I said, the NCAA people, people at the the right levels are aware of these kind of things. So I think education is the biggest part. Educate the athletes, uh, you know, not to try and divulge information to people you don't know or just wary of it. So it's going to be less and less of a concern as more states have legalized gambling. 
guess what? The field is getting leveled. That's what that sounds like to me. It's getting easier yeah. and easier for, you know, not me because I'm already practically a professional, but like, you know, I've won my last three NBA bets. Um, but for people <laughs> who aren't like me. Yeah. I mean, um, I was at the, uh, the, I think you were at the ice conference as well in New York. And I think Vic Salerno, a uh, longtime bookmaker out here in Vegas was on one of the panels and he kind of addressed that with the NBA saying everybody in the world knew that LeBron's hand was, was hurt or broken. And, and yet there was no official release that, uh, that, you know, from the league or from the team that his hand was, was injured, you know, as, as people are making these, these big bets on, on the game and you're seeing the line swing two, three points. So, so it's definitely something people are talking about. Um, listen, I want to tell you, there's a guy at the action network named Justin fan and he runs, uh, you know, one of the, one of the companies that action network owns is called fantasy labs and fantasy labs has, a Twitter feed that is like the premier news feed if you want to keep up with what's happening in the NBA. And it's run by Justin Fan. Like any injury, any lineup move that's coming out is on Fantasy Labs seconds after it's reported. It's almost like Justin is one of those betters who has the inside info and he puts it out on Twitter for our fans it, the same way that like your betters come to the counter and make those bets, right? He is that yep. locked in. He is also an incredible NBA better and very selective. And we call it the fan wagon. It's P, his name is spelled P-H-A-N. We call it the fan wagon because you can follow Justin in the Action Network app. And so you can make any bet that he's making. And so every time Justin makes a bet, you will see everybody in our office uh, start to like you, – you can follow everybody else. And like all of a sudden you see Chad Millman just bet Utah minus six and a half. You know, Rob Perez just – just bet Utah minus six and a half. Like it goes down the line. Like everybody is betting the same bets that Justin makes. And so this past weekend, I bet uh, Utah minus six and a half. I bet Orlando plus 11 against Milwaukee. And it was like almost simultaneous <laughs> with when it was listed that Giannis was not going to be playing that night. Wow. That makes me an insider. What makes Justin Fan an insider? It makes me a member of the fan wagon. There you go. That, that is awesome. Yeah, that was. It is. Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? It is fascinating. It's how the world goes around. Information is the most important thing. Uh, speaking of information, I want you to handicap something for me right now. If you could take, and then I'm going to let you go because I know you have a bad toothache. Uh, if, and we're also going to bring Chris Raybon on, another Action Network genius. If you could handicap the the uh, who will be taken first in the NFL draft? The uh, who will win Best Picture in the Oscars, um, or just AAF games? Of those three, which would get the most action? <laughs> I, I would say uh, definitely the Oscars. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Why? You know, we we've started booking the uh, the draft a uh, couple couple years ago. We petitioned the the uh, Nevada Gaming Control Board, and there was not as much uh, interest in terms of betting on it as you would have thought. Now maybe that'll pick up, but we know there's always been interest on on the Oscars, and and I've spoken to. Uh, people from New Jersey who are actually have it up on on the board, and I guess you're closer there. You might you might know more, but uh, there's tremendous interest in it. 
Wow. That's really cool. Really. Does that cool. surprise so why, you? No, but why don't you do it? Like, why don't you do the Oscars? Well, it's just it's the, the regulators. You know, that's one thing we're learning. Each state is different in terms of their laws and their regulations. Uh, we've been pushing for it for, for a lot of years, and eventually we'll see how it goes in New Jersey and, uh, and then see if the, uh, the regulators have a different stance. But uh, I, I think eventually it'll come. Yeah, you guys got to get on that because otherwise New Jersey is going to kick your ass. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> they are going to be so much more progressive than you guys. It's going to be ridiculous. You're going to be like, what happened? Yeah. Yep. We don't want that. <laughs> you got to stay Disney World, man. People got to believe that when they come to Vegas, it's a special experience. They can't replicate yeah. it in, Ve in, in New Jersey. Yep. Scooch, you're the best, man. I'm, I want you to feel better. You know what I'm saying? I will. I will shortly. On my way to the dentist. Go get that Novocaine. <laughs> All right. Thanks, man. We're going to come right back to the podcast in one second. But you know what? This podcast is blowing up. We've known that for a while. You know what else we know? Guys are terrible at taking care of their health, whether it's a knee injury, a bad back, or something worse. Guys are usually more comfortable rubbing some dirt on it than seeing a doctor. I'm guilty of it myself. Everybody has heard the story of when I stayed in the office for many, many days with an attack appendicitis oh, just to Chad, close an stop, issue of Chad. the magazine. Blackjack, what are you doing in my read? Chad, there are some things in life you can't rub some dirt on, or at least you shouldn't. And one of those things is erectile dysfunction. And studies show that 70% of guys, including Chad Millman, who experience ED, don't get treated for it. Thankfully, Roman has created an easy way to get hard. Get checked out by a doctor, get treated for ED, and do it all online, Chad. Let me tell you something, Blackjack. Roman is a one-stop shop where licensed U.S. physicians can diagnose ED and ship medication right to your door. With Roman, there are no waiting rooms, awkward face-to-face -face conversations, or uncomfortable trips to the pharmacy. I like that we're talking about this. This is important, and in the year of kindness, it's important to be kind to your partner and take care of your erectile health. And you can handle everything discreetly online. All you have to do is visit GetRoman.com slash favorites. Fill out a brief medical onboarding, chat with a doctor, and get FDA-approved ED meds delivered to your door in discreet, unmarked packaging. Guys, go online and get checked by the doctor. Erectile dysfunction is a problem that guys don't tackle, but with Roman, it's really easy. So take care of it. Blackjack, take us home. For a free online visit, go to GetRoman.com slash favorites. That's GetRoman.com slash favorites for a free online visit. GetRoman.com slash favorites. Get Roman. Get hard. Let's get back to that show. All right, everybody. We're back. Chad had to run and get his free online consult from Roman. But I'm Blackjack Fletcher, and joining me today is senior editor and NFL analyst at the Action Network and our second best-dressed man, Chris Raybon. How are you doing today, Chrissy? What's going on, my guy? Chris, you wrote an article for the Action Network earlier this week uh, that is kind of fascinating. You said that there are only 11 teams in the NFL worth making a future bet to win Super Bowl 54 on, right? Yeah, so... What I thought was interesting was that, you know, Super Bowl futures are the only thing you can really bet on right now in the NFL. So I thought I'd look at, you know, how teams 
perform this year and what that can tell us about their Super Bowl chances for next year. And it turns out that of the last 32 Super Bowl winners, 93% or 30 of 32, they finished at least 13th in DVOA, and they finished at least in the top eight in one of the three phases, offense, defense, special teams. Now, most, most of those are offense, defense, but occasionally you'll see a team that you know, gets bumped up a little for some special teams. But um, it's kind of uncanny how you can just eliminate essentially two-thirds of the league by looking at their performance from the prior season. Well, now, how do you do this without free agency, the draft? I mean, the makeups of teams can mm -hmm. change pretty drastically, especially with some of the quarterbacks rumored to be out there. Uh, you know, you never know what teams are going to do in the draft. How do you feel about, about making those projections before those things happen? Well, the purpose of this is not to really project exactly who the Super Bowl winner is. It's to project who it won't be, right? So right, right around now, you know, a lot of people are kind of throwing, throwing things at the wall. They're throwing shit at the wall, seeing if it sticks, right, with these Super Bowl bets. And there's just a lot of teams that you shouldn't be betting on. The, the Packers, they aren't included in this list. The, the Seahawks, a lot of teams that get people in trouble because you feel like they have a chance. It's just hard to get that good that fast in the NFL if you're not already excelling in one phase of the game. It's just hard. It's too hard. You know, injuries, regression, just so many things have to go right for a team to, you know, come from the middle of the pack or lower and win a Super Bowl. Not get, but win a Super Bowl. Okay, so you said that this is not about picking who's going to win the Super Bowl, exactly. but about who's not going to win it. So having said that, who's going to win the Super Bowl? <laughs> so the, the team that actually I have as the – so I did a little projection, you know, with these with the 11 teams who, by the way, are the Saints, Chiefs, Chargers, Rams, Ravens, Patriots, Bears, Steelers, Texans, Vikings and Broncos. So what I did was I took those teams and I essentially did a regression model looking at their ranking in overall DVOA, offense, defense and special teams. And I converted that to an implied probability. Um, Ooh, heavy and, math. Uh, <laughs> accounting, heavy accounting math. for still accounting for. The, the remote possibility of an outlier, by the way, because you don't want to overvalue these teams either. So, um, but yeah, so the number one team is your guys, the New Orleans Saints, the team now, that got robbed. Now, you said you account for offense, defense, special mm -hmm. teams, all of those fancy math <laughs> words you threw around, but how do you account for heartbreak? Because that exists in uh, New Orleans right now, and I don't know how you get past it. I mean, I think the bigger story of the heartbreak is the, you know, the, the 21 teams that weren't included. I mean, you know, New Orleans, we know they're going to be. No, no, you've we, given we them motivation. Let me tell you something. Chris Raybon's 11 <laughs> teams are on their bulletin boards right now in Cleveland and Green Bay and all those other cities. They're saying Raybon doesn't believe in us. You're motivating those teams. The New Orleans Saints, they're looking at this like, what, did this guy see the NFC Championship game? I mean, did the Saints see the fourth quarter in overtime of the NFC Championship game? Because I didn't see them there, so I'm just wondering Ooh. if they saw it. Yeah, and yet this is your top team. All right, so let's talk a little <laughs> bit about this. My list. top team? Hold on. What, what, wasn't this your top team since last preseason? I just asked I you who was going to win Super Bowl 54, and you said how, the New Orleans Saints. How do we measure heart, Chris Raybon. Jack? Give me a metric. How do we measure heart? Yeah. Uh, Tom Brady's got it <laughs> in spades. So we measure heart by by how many Brady's you have as a team. So, the Brady Bunch. Ooh, lots of Brady's. Nine of them. Lots of Brady's. All right, so let's talk about this list a little bit. You've got a team on here that I... You've got actually three that I vehemently disagree with. The first <laughs> one is the Baltimore Ravens. You honestly think, with the way Lamar Jackson is as a passer and the weapons they have, this team could realistically win a Super Bowl next year. 
I think you can't rule it out. They're one of the teams you can't rule out. And if you remember... I've ruled them out. Remember, though, <laughs> when you look back, since the Bill Belichick, Tom Brady dynasty has started, what, what back team... Back in 1893. <laughs> you know, the, one team that's always kind of been in the mix is the Baltimore Ravens. And they actually did get past the Patriots in that, in that one year. When one, they, one time in 18. You know, when Joe Flacco kind of forgot who he was and was better than that right. for, for a few games. But, you know, the thing about the Ravens is they have the coaching staff and they have the defense and they have a high upside quarterback. Now, if he's the same guy that was about to get benched in the most important game of the year, mm -hmm. then, of course, it's out. But all I'm saying is that the Ravens are a team, unlike a lot of other teams in the NFL, you don't. You can't rule them out yet, according to according to these. Okay. Uh, according to history. Well, let's move on to the other two that I have an issue with. The first is the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> have you seen Kirk Cousins play in prime time? He's not good. He's not good in prime time. No. At all. No. I mean, it, it, if Kirk Cousins plays that way in prime time, Kirk Cousins might want to invest in some Roman for prime time at home, if you know what I mean. Um, how do you have them on this list with him at quarterback? Because. They have a defense. Again, this, is, this list is not to project exactly who's going to win. What it is well, because, Seattle's no, got a look, defense, but, too. No, but look, here's the thing. The whole point of this is I'm that you're looking, this at list teams, apart. <laughs> you're looking at the teams that they're already good enough that they could make a one-year improvement. What it's saying is that for most teams in the league, about two-thirds of the league, building a contender is going to be at least a two-year process. For the Minnesota Vikings, they already have a defense. They have a average quarterback and they have some good pieces on offense they have a pretty solid coach in Mike Zimmer they can get it done you shouldn't rule them out that's all we're saying we're not saying go bet on the Minnesota Vikings we're saying if you're making your futures bet you should probably be ruling out 21 of the 32 teams the Vikings are not one of them all right one other team you have on here before we get to some of the ones you've left off the Denver Broncos Listen, nobody was higher on Denver than I was to start last year. I had them winning the AFC West. Wrong on that one. Um, how in the world do you see them not only possibly surpassing the Chargers and the Chiefs, but winning a Super Bowl? There is no bigger fan of Case the Machine Keenum <laughs> than, than I. But how do you see that? Well, I think it starts with addition by subtraction. You get Vance Joseph out of there, <laughs> and that is already just a major step up. The, what, what people didn't realize about the Broncos were that they were actually a top-five team in defensive DVOA, and they were above average and on offense as well. So this I, I want to stop you for one they, second. Can you explain to our audience what DVOA sure. means so and DV me? Right. <laughs> so DVOA is a, it's a football outsider's metric, and it essentially grades every play by the, uh, the, the way it contributes to ultimately winning the game. And then it takes that and adjusts for strength of schedule, and it's just def defense-adjusted value over average. That's all it is. So if you have a 10% DVOA, that means you're 10% better than the average team at whatever we're discussing, whether it's offense Thank you, Chris. Special. That was helpful. You're welcome. Okay, <laughs> so now let's talk a little bit about some of the teams you've left off here. And one omission that I find glaring is the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. You don't think that that team has a reasonable chance to win a Super Bowl next year? Well, this, the model doesn't think. I don't think. Oh, no, come think on. It's either. your model. No, I don't think to me. I don't think they do. I thought they did this year, um, and yeah. I was really high on them. But, you know, the numbers show, you know, the numbers show that it's not surprising that they didn't. And it's, they show that it's going to be really difficult for them to kind of get back to where they were two years ago. They had a big drop off um, from this year to last year. And what a lot of people don't realize is when they came out, of, it seemed like they came out of nowhere to win the Super Bowl the year before. 
they were actually one of the better teams in terms of DVOA mm -hmm. the year before that. And so that's what we're trying to find with, with these models. We're trying to kind of say, these are the teams that have a shot, and these are the teams that don't. And the Eagles are kind of a little too, you know, they're above average in a lot of facets, but we don't know. We don't. <sighs> what about the New York Giants? Saquon Barkley, <sighs> year two, Odell Beckham healthy, potentially someone other than the mouth-breathing Eli Manning at quarterback. Do you see them possibly going on a run? I Why think, not? I think they could make an improvement in terms of their wins, and that's the big upshot of this. It's that there are a lot of teams that could improve, but don't bet on them to win the Super Bowl. Bet on their the win Giants totals. are 40 Bet to on one. their win totals. Bet on their playoff odds. Their Super Bowl odds are you're just throwing your money away, essentially. All right, let me ask you one more here, and this is one I think a lot of people are talking about right now, the Cleveland Browns. And this, this is a two-part yeah. question, so stay focused. <laughs> The Browns just signed Kareem Hunt yesterday. Controversial signing, obviously off of uh, the, the issues that he had last year, Kansas City releasing him. Cleveland picks him up pretty quickly in the offseason here, releases a, uh, I'll describe it as a vanilla statement about the signing. What do you think about the signing, and what does he do for their chances, assuming he's back on the field in week five or week seven? You know, the signing was, it kind of caught me off guard a little bit. I think if you look at teams that have been, you know, contenders, you look at Sean McVay this year and what he did with C.J. Anderson and Todd Gurley. You look at what Bill Belichick has been doing forever, rotating two, three, four backs. You can't count on backs to stay healthy, but you need a lot of backs. You, they touch the ball more than any other player on your team, and so the more good backs you can have, the better. So I think it increases their chances. However, the numbers show that a team like Cleveland – they're still probably a year away. We have better than a 90% chance that they're at least a year away. And that's the big takeaway. A lot of the teams that we're really high on that we think are going to make big improvements next year, again, hit the win totals, hit the playoff market. The Super Bowl odds, a little bit out of reach. Check back next year, see where they are. That will give you a better indication of their, of their future chances. All right, so let me ask you this, Chris Raybon. Time for you to sit squarely on the hot seat. Which Super Bowl futures are you betting? I am betting on the Houston Texans because, you know, oh. I love me some Deshaun Watson. We saw what he did in year one. They kind of had a, some offensive line problems this year. They didn't get in as many shootouts, but he still balled. Deshaun Watson and the Texans, I'm betting on. I'm betting on the Kansas City Chiefs. Remember, the Patriots mm -hmm. have not won back-to-back -back Super Bowls since the 0405 season. So it's been a while. It's, it's been, been a while, while since they've won yeah. two in a row. It's been a while since they've won two in a row. We, they'll, probably, they'll probably get to the AFC Championship game, but their season doesn't start until the a AFC Championship Pretty game. Pretty much. Uh, I agree with you about the Kansas City pick. I think that team is when this New England dynasty eventually, I'm assuming it has to end at some point. Uh, does end, Kansas City feels like the next team to kind of step up and take the reins. And I should note that it's kind of interesting that there's seven AFC teams and only four NFC teams. Ooh. So, you know, the Patriots do have a little competition this time around. I mean, anytime you're, you're going to face Patrick Mahomes and potentially, again, in, you know, his home, it's going to be tough. But, um, you know, I think the Patriots still have as good a shot as, as anyone. But, again, you know, they don't win everywhere and – there's not really any value on that. I, I'm glad you, you're mentioning the Patriots here, Chrissy. What do you see happening there? I mean, what, what does 2019 and 2020 hold for the New England Patriots? You know, I think it's probably going to be more of the same because if you look at Tom Brady and what he's been able to do, 
quarterback's intelligence is such a big factor. You know, mm-hmm. the athletic decline, yeah, maybe it's happening slightly, but you have Belichick game planning and you have Tom Brady making decisions before the snap and after the snap, they're going to be able to get it done. I mean, their game plan in the Super Bowl against the Rams was brilliant, and that's not going to change. So I think they'll be in the conversation until Tom Brady retires or Belichick retires. Do they win another Super Bowl? I'm going to say no. Ooh, Raybon's got the dynasty over. Now he's giving bulletin board material to New England. All right, Chris, you just motivated them for the move forward. Chris, thank you so much for talking to us about your 11 teams here. If Chad were here, this is where the show would end, but he's not and it won't. Chris, I know you're just like me, a big cinephile. We've got the Oscars coming up at the end of this month. Chad and I will be talking about this later this week. But while you're here, I want to get your take. Give me some of your picks for the big awards. So I like, for Best Supporting Actress, like Regina King from If Beale Street Could Talk. Favorites have won that award seven years in a row. She's the favorite. Same thing for Rami Malek. No, no. You're a hater? You're a hater? Bradley Cooper at plus 1800. I watched the movie again on (laughs) Sunday night. The emotional depth range and the fact that he made himself a singer. He didn't just play a singer like Rami Malek. He made himself into a Grammy Award winning singer. Blackjack, they don't give the award for who made you cry the most. Okay? That's that not the not point. The award, That's okay? not the point. <laughs> but I, I do like Green Book for best picture. Now, what about the controversy? There's controversy there. About uh, Shirley and his family. Yes. and they feel, I, I, There is, but I feel like the, the, uh, the Academy movie, by is the just way. going to... I think the Academy still enjoyed the movie, and I think you know the, the way they kind of presented the story of like, you know, you have this, you know, this kind of biracial friendship going on and all these things. I think they're still going to dig it. And I like you kind of hit on it a couple weeks ago and I'll take that bet. I don't know if they're going to give a Netflix film. I best see it. Yeah. Like he, Quaron's getting I think he's getting best, best director. director 100%. Right? Yeah, I think that's Lock. a lot. But for best picture, a lot of times it's a late pusher. And if you look at, you know, who's been kind of getting the late push up the odds, it's been Green Book. And so, you know. It hasn't happened often where you win a Best Picture without a Best Director nom only four times. Argo was the last one, so it can happen in modern day. Um, and, and I think, yeah, my money's there. I got it at a plus three fifty a couple of days ago, so I'm feeling, feeling decent. If a about Star it. Is Born doesn't win Best Picture and Bradley God. Cooper doesn't win Best Actor, I will riot. I, I, we got we to gotta get some side action on this. Like, riot. I am, I am confident that neither is winning. I mean, look at what happened at the, uh, what happened at the Grammys. Your pick was shallow. What, what happened there? Bradley Cooper still won a Grammy. He is one for one with Grammy nominations. If the man doesn't win an Oscar, there should be an investigation, a congressional investigation into this so-called nameless, faceless academy. That's strong words, Wackjack. You talk about bulletin board material. You know what? I might run for president on that platform. Wait, am I old enough to run for president? I don't think I am. Oh, that's a mystery, my friend. Well, you seem not to know enough, a lot about movies to run, so you make a good fit. All right. Oh. oh, listen to this guy getting smart. All right, get the hell out of here. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to The Favorites. We will be back on Friday with myself and the Millie Monster. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on iTunes, radio.com slash the Action Network, and uh, wherever else you get your podcasts. Thank you. We love you. <laughs>